Welcome to Mouth Full of Bees. This is the uh, Tazan episode. Now, what is Tazan, you say? Is that just your name, Tyson, in French? Um, I guess that's a nice observation. I have been called Cisson or Tisson in French, but no, it's unrelated at all. In fact, um, Tazan, even though it is a pretty French slash wanky sounding word, it is the correct terminology for what we would call herbal tea. In fact, the meaning of tazan, its archaic meaning, says it's a medicinal drink or infusion. Um, originally one made with barley, which is interesting because barley beverage ended up becoming beer, probably its most famous um Use or the other meaning of tazan in the Cambridge Dictionary is a drink made by pouring boiling water onto particular types of dried or fresh flowers or leaves. So, what a tazan is at the moment we call a herbal tea. But let's just digress for a second. Coffee, I guess we call it we call it tea because anything without milk we call tea. Just using coffee with milk as our reference point to distinguish anything other than that but coffee is water brewed with a coffee bean tea is water brewed with any type of leaf from the tea plant or the camellia sinensis plant and then any other beverage We call tazan. Um, I guess if it's a made with a herb or it's medicinal, because yeah, that's how we've grouped it. Um, we have other names for them, but just to use that as a mental picture, that because coffee is made from the coffee bean, tea is made from the tea leaf, tazan is made from a group of different things. Tazans are as close to tea as they are to any other water made with a flavoring, like cordial, like stock. Let's take it further, like the liquid from a puddle, bath water, urine. They are all as close to tazans as tazans are to tea. Right. Off my high horse. It's just the correct use of the term. We've got a couple of interviews today. One's with the Yarra Valley Tea Company. They do make beverages from the tea plant as well as Tazans. And then we talk with a lady from the company called the Husk Mill. And they make a, uh, an awesome beverage from the husk of the cacao plant which uh, the bean we use to make chocolate and the husk from that, which is a tazan. So let's get in this first interview with Garrick Hicks from Yarra Valley Tea Company. All right, I'm talking to Garrick Hicks from Yarra Valley Tea Company. Uh, welcome, Garrick. Thank you, Tyson. Uh, thank you to you too, especially for calling um, tazans tazans rather than calling them herbal tea or i think right. the other word might be herbal infusion 
Yep. Um, slowly that word's starting to catch on, I think. It is. There's still a bit of a misconception in regards to what it means. Um, like an oxymoron, like, um, uh, as I've probably stated, that Microsoft works or Army Intelligence or Ethical Lawyer, yep. Honest Politician, um, a, a Tassan is uh, any beverage that can be brewed other than tea. So uh, fruits, herbs, and so forth. And it's actually an old English word. Right. A lot of people think it's French or Italian, um, but English in its origin. I do feel a bit French when I say it, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, and you are Yarra Valley Tea Company is um, putting out some really good quality product. Um, Thank you. And you're quite uh, big in the market. Um, so I just want to ask... Ingredients-wise, do you see any trends with um, what type of ingredients seem to be becoming more popular um, with the teas you yeah, make? So, yeah, sure. Well, well speciality tea, um, as opposed to traditional black teas, um, there's a lot more to do with functional-type blends. So things that aid, be they in digestion or sleep, uh, detoxing, calming, relaxing, um, stimulation, that type of thing. There is a big trend towards it. There is tea has always been something that you prepare and make, and primarily at home. Um, but you're tending to see a lot more in hospitality um, with the evolution and the variety uh, that there is a lot more out there. And, and henceforth, there's a bigger direction, as I said, towards more functional type blends. We specialise in green tea that's grown here in Victoria, in Australia. It's the only certified organic green tea grown in the southern southern hemisphere. Um, and you're tending to see a lot more um, patronage towards, especially locally grown, and herbs for that matter as well. And then combinations. Um, uh, we do a green tea with lemon myrtle. Um, so certain things, especially like lemon myrtle, which is actually an anti-microbial type herb, which is endemic to Australia, you've seen a lot more relevance, especially in these times, but a lot more interest um, in indigenous and endemic type herbs, in particular in Australia. Yeah, we're slowly waking up to um, all the uh, goodness that we have here ourselves. And I was speaking to Peter Thompson from Larson & Thompson on the, uh, the previous tea episode, and yes, they also carry that um, Australian green tea. I think it's grown in northeastern Victoria. Yeah, so we, we are currently only have one certified organic grower. There's, there's about four conventional growers. So a lot, a lot of um, Australian tea companies use conventional green tea. We basically have contracted all the certified organic green tea. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, up in the Kiwa Valley, it's primarily grown. Um, our previous grower was in Alexandra, but now up there. And um, it's ideal conditions for people who aren't aware. Green tea and black tea are exactly the same plant. It's just basically the process. Mm-hmm. of um, non-fermentation. So we, we harvest the green tea, we refrigerate it and take it to a processing plant in, um, in regional Victoria and there we steam it and then fire it. Your black tea basically is allowed to wilt and ferment and it gets that dark coppery colour and then it's fired. So basically the same plant, Camellia sinensis. There are variations, a bit like wine, there's yes. different plants and so forth that come into it. But, uh, yeah, we're very proud of what we grow here. Hopefully it gets bigger. We currently only produce about eight tonne a year, which is basically a drop in the ocean in the tea industry, but it's something we're proud of and um, something that we we, uh, 
we champion and uh, we currently export as well. I didn't actually know that you, you grow that green tea yourself. That's awesome. No, we, we don't grow it ourselves. Oh. We're actually a processor. Okay. Um, so it's actually it's grown by the grower up there and then it's processed um, by Eto-N, which is a, a huge tea company out of Japan, but they've been in Australia for the last ooh, 24 years and they have a processing plant up in Wangaratta where they process the tea. Cool. So they, primarily they were looking to, and, and they still do, they process most of the tea for export back to Japan for the canned tea industry. Um, but we sort of latched on to bringing it out here in Australia and then combining it, as I said, with local indigenous and, and endemic herbs um, to create our own profile and our own flavours, and they've become quite popular. Um, as a matter of fact, as I said, for export markets, um, Middle East and, and uh, Southeast Asia as well. And I noticed you talk, um, talk about lemon myrtle just before, which is, um, uh, I think it's endemic to southeastern Queensland in the subtropical yep. rainforest there. Also with um, things like rosehip or hibiscus, do we grow them ourselves in Australia? So hibiscus, we, we grow um, rosella, which is very similar, same species. Right. Um, however, there aren't really that many commercial growers. In fact, you'd probably be hard-pressed to find a commercial rosella grower. We used to have one a couple of years ago who grew lemongrass as well up in Queensland. But rosella is a very similar um, uh, flowering herb uh, to to um, hibiscus in particular. Same flavour profile, it generates that beautiful red ruby colour. Um, but yeah, that's another endemic species to Australia. Nice. Yeah, the more I learn, the more fascinated I am with what we um, what we produce here uh, mm. on this big big island. Hey, um, demographic wise, yeah. uh, I, I kind of think tend to think that tea is just a or it might be just uh, the wrong thought, but people think that tea is just for old people, but it's definitely not. And you're talking about how a lot of people started using it um, for health reasons. Demographic-wise, do you, have you noticed any changes or trends from your market? Yeah, well, I think you're tending to find, especially with millennials in the market, so people from 25 to 40, thereabouts, um, the tea, the, the thing with tea is like coffee in particular. Coffee is something that you tend to buy on the go. It's not something a lot of people start with or come home to. Tea is one of those things that you can have mid morning, mid afternoon, depending on the blend. If it's a tisane, you can be having it late at night to help with sleep. That's something coffee doesn't sort of assist with. Yeah. So what you're tending to find is a lot more people, as I said, are finding um, speciality tea or functional blends. Um, as a preference, so there's something like the Think Straight that we do, which is lemon balm, lemon grass, lemon verbena with Sierra Mate in there. And it's a stimulant and it's a good alternative and it's also something you can either drink hot or cold. So a lot of people will put it into a drink bottle or thermos, um, especially with summer coming on, and, and, and they'll have that as an alternative to um, having a coffee. And a lot of people are sort of trying to reduce, that. well, I should say, even though Melbourne's the coffee capital, of Australia, and if not the world, um, there is a growing trend towards people sort of really taking care of themselves. There's been a lot of introspection, over, especially over the last six months, and people are really starting to look at something um, that they can have as an alternative. They still enjoy their coffee, and they'll have one in the morning, but then later in the morning, later in the day, they'll have an alternative. And tea really is a wide spectrum of alternatives in that regard. Yeah, I think as people start to want uh, realise that um, we're dehydrating ourselves with too much caffeine, that we're looking towards less caffeinated um, options, and they are there are 
so many out there and so many awesome flavors. Um, and a few more males starting to get into tea, you think? Yeah, lots. We, we have, especially a lot of um, transport drivers in particular, if they're looking for something that's a, a stimulant without the caffeine. So as I mentioned, that, that thinks straight. We do a, a licorice tea as well that we call Liven Up, which is licorice root, spearmint, uh, hebamato and star anise. Um, licorice root in particular is very sweet, but, but no sugar. So right. you're sort of getting a, a stimulant and a, and a sugar hit without, um, say, like having coffee and a biscuit in the afternoon when you get the three o'clock blues. Um, and I think so. A lot, yeah, a lot more males. Um, it's it's just becoming something, as I said, that it's the thing with tea as well. If you're making a cup of tea, that's the difference. You make a cup of tea. You take the you take the um, the time to make it. So there's also that mental approach to it as well. Yes, you're actually stopping. You've got the kettle. You're going and getting your tea. You're waiting for the kettle to boil. You're then brewing the tea. So it's a whole process, a ritual, if you like. Yes. Especially if it's something that you grab from the garden and it's you've done the whole process yourself. It's like, look what I've yep. done. Yeah, yep, absolutely. It's uh, soul feeding, they might say. Hey, um, thanks for your time. But tell us a bit more about um, Yarra Valley Tea. I think I noticed you guys supply um, Qantas. Is that right, Gary? Yeah, well, we've we have unfortunately we haven't at the moment, but um, we've been supplying Qantas lounges all over Australia and even as far as uh, Heathrow um, wow. into the business class lounges with their own. Um, Qantas blend, which is called a signature blend, and that contains Australian lemon myrtle together with a hibiscus um, and a sweet orange peel. Um, that's something, obviously, we haven't been supplying the lounges due to COVID and the pandemic, but yes. we do have that now available on our website as a Qantas um, signature blend range in our retail boxes. So, uh, yeah, that, and we also obviously in hospitality supply at cafes, restaurants. It's wonderful in Victoria as of yesterday to start to see those reopen. Yes. Um, and um, and then obviously we have distributors in each state and then we export as well to places such as Qatar and and, uh, and Hong Kong. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah. And uh, you're, you're uh, able to be found everywhere. It's yarravalleytea.com.au um, on the uh, website or it's Yarra Valley Tea Co. Yarra Valley Tea Company on uh, Instagram or Facebook. Pretty easy to find. Yeah, yarravalleytea.com.au and that lists all our stockers um, and then obviously distributors in each state. So uh, everywhere basically bar New South Wales at the moment but um, Tasmania, West Australia, South Australia, Queensland, um, all those options there. And then, you know, obviously, if you can't get it where you are, you can purchase it online. That's awesome. Thank you very much, Garrick. And I think it's uh, your business partner, at least, uh, Megan Grace. Megan, yep. Thanks for what you do. Uh, I hope that um, um, the uh, flights get up and running soon for your uh, Qantas market there. And, yeah, we appreciate what you're doing. Thanks no, for your pleasure. work. Thanks, Tyson. Have a good afternoon. Thank you. See Bye. you later. That was pretty informative. I thought it was quite interesting that he said that uh, most of our organic green tea goes to Japan. Thieving bastards. They have... Um, first, they came and took our whales, and we stopped them doing that. Now they're sneaking in grabbing our organic green tea. Anyway, one thing I learned about um, when I was went to a tea tasting with Peter from Larson and Thompson Tea, which we spoke about, who we spoke to in the tea episode, is that 
Japan and Germany are probably the fanciest or the most quality, the highest quality drinking tea countries. He talked about at the auctions in India, I know we're digressing off Tazans, but he talked about that um, at the tea auctions in India, the Japanese and the Germans would have the best eye or know which is the best tea and the Germans would come in and say, I want that tea and I'm going to pay you this much for it. And the Japanese would come in and talk about the same tea and say, I want that tea and I'll pay whatever you want for it. So therefore, the highest quality of tea would go to the Japanese and then the second level or the, the next best would go to the Germans and so on. I thought maybe the English... I don't know, possibly even, maybe not the Americans, but yeah, I thought at least the English would get a high quality tea, but that's interesting to know. So if you drink a Twinings in Japan, it's going to taste a lot nicer than a Twinings in Germany and Australia and so on. Right, back to Tazan's. I thought it was interesting that Garrick was talking about there's a lot more introspection which, come to think of it, yeah, it has been happening a lot uh, since Corona. How we're all, look, we're already talking about self-help and uh, a lot of trends in that direction. It's just been amplified during the last nine months, ten months, and probably will continue. And so there's been a trend upwards in aiding Tazans or... Um, self-help, functional, he called them functional blends. Um, and also, in fact, it was interesting that he was talking about how making tea is more of a ritual that you can do at home, something that coffee doesn't have. All right, let's head into our second interview with uh, Elena Downey from the Husk Mill. They're making a... Um, have a, a market that I don't think anyone else is part of and I think it's a really interesting product. Okay, I'm here with Elena from The Husk Mill um, up in Sydney. Welcome, Elena. Hi. Um, I stumbled across you guys um, searching for Tazans and I was fascinated that you make a product, I guess it's a chocolatey product, from the husk of the cacao bean, not the cacao bean itself. Um, yeah, which right. which was fascinating because uh, mainly for sustainable reasons that you're using what would be a waste product. Is it? Is that what it is normally or is it something that gets um, used yes. elsewhere? Well, um, it's a good question. So uh, traditionally, these husks have been thrown out so they've been used as um as fertilizer and you know because they're full of nutrients mm. so what we found was that you know around the world millions of tons of this husk was being basically um disposed of every year and what we also found out was that uh ancient uh, south american cultures actually drink it for its nutritional properties so we worked out okay there's this very small group of people in Peru that have been doing this for hundreds of years and they're onto something. So that's where the idea was born. 
and we decided to bring it to Australia and say, hey, why are we throwing this out? It's a beautiful product. Let's upcycle it and let's make something really special from it. And so does, does it taste as chocolatey as the bean itself or what's the, what's the flavor like? No. So look, in, the reality is, is that it's actually got a much stronger smell than the taste. However, you can actually manipulate the taste of the tea by steeping it longer. So when you let those husks brew for, say, um, you know, five, six minutes, as opposed to the traditional two or three for a regular tea, you can get a much stronger flavour. Also, if you add a, for example, a nut milk or a milk of your choice, um, that can really play into the the milk chocolate flavours that are there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you have it black, it's sort of like having a nice piece of dark chocolate. If you have it with milk, it feels more like it tastes like a milk chocolate. But it's not going to have the same heaviness as if you're having a hot chocolate that is full of additives and sugars and, and milk fats and things like that. So it's a, it's a different experience, but fundamentally, yes, it does taste like chocolate. And um, you, you can have a, you can tell yourself that it's not a hot chocolate, so you can have a chocolate drink without having the guilt of a chocolate, I guess. And you're telling, you're saying there's a lot of um, health benefits in the in the shell of the and the bean, of the husk itself. Yes, that's right. So, um, the actual husk carries lots of the same properties as the bean itself. So you've got things like magnesium, potassium, there's high levels of iron, uh, zinc, um, lots of nutrients that a lot of people aren't really aware of. They think, okay, look, you know, if you're discarding this shell, which is, you know, sort of similar to, I don't know, like maybe the membrane of a peanut or something like that. You think, okay, get rid of that. That's got nothing. It's actually quite on the contrary that it's, it's full of nutrients. Yeah, I feel like you'd be uh, if you if you interviewed the tree about it and said, "Oh, we're just going to take this one little bit you make and the whole other bit that you put all that energy into." Nah, we don't yeah. want it. The tree would be furious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't. You're onto it. That's right. And so, once you get this raw product in, how do you then um, extract, or what do you what do you do with it? If I may ask. Um, well, look, the way that it works is that the the actual bean itself is. Um, it's, I mean, the pod of the cacao fruit is picked from a tree. It's then taken away. Its seeds are, are taken out from inside and they are fermented and dried. And then what happens is um, they actually separate. I'm just getting a part. Um, they separate the husk from the bean using a machine called a huller. And so it's um, like a little cracking device where you kind of pop it in a filter at the top and then you actually use like your hand to wind this machine and it separates the two parts. Now, when we receive the husks, that process has already happened. So uh-huh. thankfully we're not <laughs> um, hand sort of separating them because yeah. it's a very labor-intensive process. Uh-huh. Um, and then what you do is you simply steep that tea. We, we actually yeah. mix and blend out our husks. So we have our own blends. Um, it's We don't sell just a pure husk tea. We have a vanilla blend and that's blended with vanilla beans. We've got a coconut blend, which is blended with um, organic desiccated coconut. And we have a rose cacao blend, which is blended with rose petals, vanilla beans and uh, cacao husk. So we process 
and we manufacture the tea ourselves and we package it ourselves, but we don't actually do all that um, very, very labour-intensive early process. And the packaging itself uh, is uh, very nice looking and I like all your branding. Um, I do need to mention that you also have a a 70% dark chocolate, which is of the name Mission Beach. I'm from North Queensland myself. We used to holiday there, so shout out to Mission Beach. Um, How come you use that Mission Beach name? Um, That chocolate is actually produced in Mission Beach. So it's actually, yes, so it's actually made by hand up there. And it's um, it's one of Australia's only tree-to-bar chocolates, which means that it's not just a bean-to-bar where the beans are imported from overseas. They're actually mm. grown on site at Mission Beach, and then they are processed there. So we get the chocolate, but we also get the husks and make the tea as well. Also, I should mention that our packaging is sustainable as well. So it's recycled packaging, it's recyclable and recycled. And we also use a cellulose bag to actually store the husks inside the tube so that when um, it firstly keeps it fresh, but also when you're finished with it, you can pop it on your garden and it will um, biodegrade. So um, we've really thought about the sustainability. Yeah, you're um, all over it. That's awesome. And I think there's also an option if you already have your container just to buy the refill as well. So you're steps ahead of the game. It's it's very good to see. Uh, One last thing. Is there caffeine in it? Uh, There is a very, very small amount of caffeine. So when we first started the business, we would say that it was caffeine free because the amount is so negligible. Yes. But today, you know, we know that our... Um, our consumers are really conscious about every single thing that they put into their body. They really want to make sure that they, um, you know, that we have full transparency effectively. So what we've done is we've put on our packaging, we've said it's 99.5% caffeine free. So it's, uh, yes, it's a tiny amount. That's so good. Thank you very yeah. much, Elena. Um, mm-hmm. you, could, you guys can be found at thehuskmill.com.au and I'll... Um... Uh, put some more information up about it. But I appreciate your time and that's an awesome Thank product you. that you're uh, making and I can't wait to try some. Awesome. Okay, no problem. Okay. Thank you. Have a good afternoon. Bye. See ya. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Hey, that's a pretty cool product. Um, I think it was interesting how she talked about that uh, chocolate they get from Mission Beach. Shout out to North Queensland. And that is one of the only tree-to-bar chocolates. I didn't realize that um, most chocolate is made from importing beans. Funny that um, the more we learn... Actually, that reminds me of a very famous saying. The more I learn, the less I know. The less I speak, the more I learn. Very, very famous old saying, that one. Um, And the other thing she was talking about was that um, the husks they use need a longer steeping time. And that is something with tazans because tazans will range from little light leaves all the way up to um, stems, twigs and bark. There's different steeping times needed, of course. Something that's thicker and hardier is going to need much longer for 
it to want to in hot water for it to want to give up everything that's inside it something to make note of when you're making your tisans sometimes you might not like something but it might just be done at the wrong temperature and possibly for too long and you end up burning the product which is why it might not taste as nice hashtag chamomile tea needs to be or tends to taste nicer when it's not boiling water and any other delicate type of leaves or flowers would be the same. All right, that's pretty much it for tisans. I know it's a pretty wanky word. And as Australian culture, we tend to steer away from any Frenchness or any pompous English plum-in-the-mouth style. And so even the word tisan is a little bit wanky. Maybe we'll take it upon ourselves and change it to zan. Tizan. I don't know. It would be funny if um, 20 years from now people are walking into cafes going, you know, mate, what zans you got? Anyway, look, just it is possible to get used to a word. Remember that we used to all drink VB and now it's accepted amongst the blokiest of blokes to ask for an IPA or a sour beer. Or remember, even lattes were. Uh, cafe lattes what they were called but we just made it latte to make it acceptable and it's acceptable amongst your uh, in quotes blokiest bloke to ask for a latte these days and look even more recently we called it corona everyone started calling it COVID-19 we thought come on but now we all call it COVID words evolve alright hope that was informative Next time you uh, sip a latte with your little finger up, just remember it's not too much of a leap to start using the word tisan. Cafes will move on. Uh, cafes will adapt if you force a change. And um, it's not just one plant. is the biggest range of beverages to have. Some are medicinal, some are delicious, some are with you can have with milk and honey. It's, it's a whole broad world out there and uh, it gives you options for different flavors, non-caffeinated beverages. Why not have a wider horizon to drink from? Thanks a lot. Catch you later. Mouth, Mouth full, full of bees. Mouth full of bees.